Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Friday the 24th of February 2017, entitled, Proving with His Permission, and the Bible reading is taken from Job chapter 1, verse 1, and verses 6 to 8. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. Well, you're glad to be here tonight, say amen. Well, it's so good to see all of you. Thank God for Brother Larry and his family. Um, they'll never know until we get to heaven, really, what my words can't convey, what my heart feels for them. Um, they have really been over backwards to make us feel like family, and, and they've, done, they've, they've superseded that. Um, I don't even know how to tell you how much, um, you know, if there was a picture beside the word servant, in the dictionary, I believe Pastor Larry's picture would be there. Um, I thank God for you, preacher. I really mean that. And uh, I thank God for Dave and his family who have been, huh, um, Dave was my Paul. He was uh, my mentor. And I speak like you did. You not was, you are, you are. He's here. I'm, I'm, speaking, I'm speaking in past tense. I'm speaking in past tense like we need to do a memorial service. God, y'all. But I really do thank God for the privilege of being here. You ain't going to have a problem hearing me, I promise. But um, I don't have a lot of introductory uh, statements to make except for it's so good to see faces that I haven't seen in a year. Uh, I really appreciate you young people. Dave was making a statement while we were talking to a couple up up at the, in the, uh, at the top of the church and top, well, in that room. But anyway... Um, and he said, you know, he was so impressed last year with the faithfulness and the integrity and the passion of the young people here in England. You have no idea, guys, what we struggle with as preachers when we go into churches. And if you don't believe that, you ought to, you ought to stand up here one time and just do what we do and see the faces of the people you preach to. And especially young people sometimes that look at you and go, you know, I dare you to tell me something I don't know already. I dare you to bless me. And uh, I don't feel that way when I come to England. I promise you I don't. And, and I thank God for each and every one of you. The Lord's really used you in my life, and uh, I really am grateful to be here. I hope and pray that tonight uh, we'll just be, uh, just kick this thing off for you guys, and you'll leave here. You'll leave here on, on Sunday or Saturday night or Sunday night. Whenever you leave, you'll leave here saying, you know what, I'm ready to do whatever God calls me to do. If He calls me to Zaire, if He calls me to Siberia, if He calls me to New Zealand, if He calls me to Hawaii, I'm going. Amen, I'm, I'm going. But, but if he called, wherever He calls me, I'm going to say, and by the way, He may not ever call you to go anywhere except across the street and talk to your neighbor. But if He does speak to you and tell you to go, you ought to be, say, you ought to be saying tonight, Lord, I'm willing to go if you call me. See, I think that every person... Tonight, under the sound of my voice, ought to, listen, ought to struggle with the possibility that God might be calling you into full-time ministry. Every Christian ought to struggle with that. Because, you know, I remember where I was at when my hands would clutch the top of the pew. And not to be saved, but because I was scared to death, God might like just do what He said He'd do. And that is, if I surrender my life, He'd use me. Now, I know some of you young people are scared to death about what the future holds. But you know what? You don't have to worry about what the future holds when you know the one that holds the future. Amen? Amen? 
And if if and, and I know a lot of you're going, what in the world is these colanders for? Um, we're gonna make a lot of spaghetti this weekend, okay? No. Um, <laughs> now I'm preaching. Now I can get people excited about food, amen. But let me say this: in the Bible, the word sift is used just a few times. One of them was used in reference when Jesus looked at Peter and he made this statement. He said, Peter, Satan has desired to have you that he might sift you as wheat. Now that word there means that the the devil, Satan has desired to come around you that he might toy with you, that he might make take an advantage of you. And see folks, here's the problem. Some of you in this room... Right now, you're being sifted by the enemy. But you know what God wants to do? God wants to sift you. See, if you're not careful, you'll miss the whole concept of what we've got these things up for as an illustration. Ladies and gentlemen, let me explain this. Satan, listen, Satan's siftings are here to, for destruction. See, the devil wants to tempt you to destroy you. But God wants to test you to develop you. And see, God wants to take you through the sifter, if you will, and and listen, and sift out all the earthly impediments that He could use you as a trophy and a vessel of honor. Amen? So see, folks, Satan's, Satan's sifting is for destruction. The Savior sifting is for development. And so what I want you to look at tonight is a book that most of us cringe when we hear it mentioned. The book of Job. Job chapter number 1. I want you to look at verse number 1. Job chapter number 1 and verse number 1. I can't believe we've been here 15 years. I must have been 10 when I started this thing. Amen? Because I'm only 25. Uh, But anyway. But I I just want to say what an encouragement it is when I come. Man, I want to... I'm ready to charge hell with a damp wash rag when I get done with this thing. I'm serious. I am ready to just go and do whatever God wants me to do when I get to speak to you young people. Some of you have been back multiplicity of years. You've been back for almost eight, some of you seven, eight years. And I commend you for that. Don't stop. Okay? Because here's the thing. Anybody can quit. Anybody. It don't take any amount of character to quit. And by the way, folks, where would we be tonight if Jesus would have quit? I'll tell you because you don't want to say it. We'd be in hell. If Jesus would, thank God, Pastor Iverson, he went a little farther. Amen? And he prayed the more earnestly and he said, you know what? Lord, if this, listen, if there's another way, let this cup pass me, but not my will, but thine be done. I want to ask you a question tonight before we even go any farther. How many of y'all are desirous and, and you have a desire to do what God wants you to do, the will of God in your life. You say, preach, I don't even know what the will of God is. You know what? There's nowhere in the Bible that tells you you got to find God's will. It just says do God's will. Amen? Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. If you'll just surrender like Paul did on the road to Damascus and say, God, what would you have me to do? I promise you, He'll lead you. But I want you to look at what the Scripture says. Job chapter number 1, look at verse number 1. If I can entitle this, and y'all know I'm all over the place and I'll run rabbits tonight, but if I could could give us a title, I would call it Proven with His Permission. God is trying to put His endorsement on us. 
And ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you tonight, if there is not a greater character in the Bible that, listen, shows us the determination and grit and integrity to keep on keeping on. And you know what? A lot of people say, well, preacher, I'm scared to death to get on a plane. I know Miss Betsy, after this last plane ride, is scared to death to get back on an airline. I would be too. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what? Do you know the reason why we don't get... Uh, filled with trepidation and give up and give out and not do a thing for God somebody said well you know what preacher I'm scared to go to Istanbul I'm scared to go to these other cities why because they might like blow us up hey if we blow up we go up I'm not afraid of it you can't threaten me with eternity what are you afraid of because I want to try to help you to be triumphant this weekend Brother Dave's going to try to help you and encourage you through the Word of God, young people, to be triumphant. And I'm talking to some people in here who, you know what, you're right on the brink of defeat in your life. And let me explain something, folks. If you want to change the direction of your life, you first must change the declaration of your lips. The Bible says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, Daniel, is good. They that seek the Lord shall not want or lack for any good thing. Let me ask you a question tonight. What do you lack? Why are you discouraged? Why are you in defeat? Why are you a victim and not a victor? I can tell you this. You repeat it after me. Outlook determines outcome. Say it. Outlook determines outcome. Some of y'all, you know what? You're looking at things all wrong. Stop looking at me like that. You know I'm telling the truth. Look at verse number 1 of Job 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Skip over to verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord... And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Which comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Even uh, from going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan. Now I want to stop right here. and I want, to I want y'all to think of me. There's nowhere in this book, by the way, the oldest book chronologically wrote in the Bible. This is the oldest book. There's nowhere else where Job is mentioned. And now you've got a man that's come on the scene that says he's a perfect man. He's one that is upright. One that fears God and eschews evil. And now God says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? Now I don't know about you, but you know what? The devil didn't bring his name up. God brought his name up. God looked at the enemy. God looked at the devil, Alex, and He said, let me ask you something. Have you considered this guy that is perfect, upright, one that fears me and eschews evil? How do you think Job might have felt if he knew that God brought his name up to the devil? You know, like, come on, you know, I've had enough problems. i got enough going on in my life. And now, God, you're going to bring my name up to the enemy. Thanks a lot. No. Job was a man that was perfect. You want to be perfect? Now some of y'all are going to be like, I'll never be perfect. No, you won't, but some of y'all want to be. 
You know what? You know I know that because you try so, so hard. Why don't you stop trying? By the way, why don't some of y'all let yourself off the hook and understand that you're never going to be perfect? You say, preacher, why was this man perfect? By the way, folks, and you know this, Jay, the word perfect here does not mean sinlessly perfect. It means complete, mature. He had some staying power. I can say it this way, Brother Dave. He had some grit in his crawl. You say, preacher, what in the world does that mean? He had a backbone. You say, how do you know that? Well, it says he was upright. Don't mean he was standing upright. You know what it means, Panos? It means he kept his nose clean. That's what it means. Can I tell you something about Job? There's three things I want to tell you about Job tonight. You have your pen, write these down. Number one. Job was a perfect man. That means he, you know what? He was a holy man. By the way, the Bible says in Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man or woman or boy or girl that's sitting on the sign of my voice tonight is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. There's not a person in this room is good enough to do what they can do to merit themselves entrance into heaven. You can't get there by your work. Say, my work won't work. Say it. My work won't work. You want to know why? Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You want to know why some of y'all can't glorify God? Because you can't glorify God when you don't have Him. That's good preaching. Preacher. Yeah, man, that's good preaching. <laughs> you want to know something, folks? Here's what a lot of people are doing. They think, well, I'm going to join a church that'll make me better. You know what that makes you? A sinner sitting in church. Well, I'll get back. I'll join this church. Well, that'll make you a Baptist sinner in a church. I'll get baptized. Well, that'll make you a wet Baptist sinner. You know, the problem is we're trying so hard to do something that we could never do. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says not by works of righteousness. Are y'all listening to me tonight? Say amen. amen. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy has He saved us. I'm not perfect because of what I've done. When God looks at me, He looks at me through His Son and He says righteous. Right. I'm so excited I want to just rip my towel. Amen. <laughs> I'm just telling you something, folks. When God looks at me, it's not by what I've done, but what Jesus did. I can't work myself way to heaven, Rob. Jesus worked me there through two pieces of wood and three nails. Amen? Amen. And I'm going to be in heaven because I put my faith, Joseph, in Jesus Christ. Yes. Job was just a sinner like us, but he was a holy man. Why? Because, listen, God, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He hath made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. See, some of y'all won't get that because some of you ain't got it. I am convinced tonight, I am convinced tonight I'm talking to some people tonight. I can promise you that there is at least one person on the sound of my voice tonight. You have no assurance that you're going to be in heaven if you took your last breath tonight. I can guarantee you I'm talking to one person. That lady come to me in Mississippi. She had been in church her whole life. Grew up in a missionary's home. She looked at me and she said, Preacher, I don't know if I've ever made a decision to trust Christ. 
23 years in the ministry, she looks at me and says, I really don't know if I did what you said I need to do tonight to be saved. I preached on the great white throne. You know what? The problem is we got a lot of people that sit in church and claim to be something they ain't. Now, I know the word ain't ain't a real English word, but it is in the dictionary, amen? There's a lot of people that sit in church and claim to be something they're not. And we're so good at lying. We're so good at putting on the mask. We're so good at putting up the front. And folks, you know what you need to do this week? If you're going to have triumph in your life and you're going to be victorious and not a victim, you know what you need to do? You need to stop lying. Can you say amen right there? We need to stop lying. Job was a holy man, but number two, he was an honorable man. It says he was a man that was upright. He kept his nose clean. You know, there's a great story told about Billy Graham. When Billy Graham would go preach crusades, Brother Dave, and you know this, he would literally rent off the whole floor of a hotel that he was staying in so he would not be, uh, an accusation would not be brought about to about him of being immoral with another woman. So he just rented a whole floor where he was staying in a hotel. You know what he did? He kept his nose clean. Let me ask you something. What skeletons you got left in your closet you ain't confessed? Are you upright? Are you one that fears God? You say, what do you mean? Or am I afraid of God? No, that's not what the word fear means. It means to have a proper respect. Listen to me. Fearing God is a proper respect for Him that makes you love doing right and hate doing wrong. Let me say it again. The fear of God is a proper respect for Him that makes you love doing right and hate doing wrong. But this man eschewed evil. He literally ran from it. Some of y'all in this room, you know what you need to do? When you get tempted, the first thing you do is you run in a hiding place that's enemy-occupied territory. Don't run there. Don't run there and try to hide in your blame. I talked about this Wednesday night. Don't run and hide in your self-pity. Don't run and hide in all of your low expectations of yourself. Hey, you're more than a conqueror. You're a child of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. You're a son. You're a soldier. You're a steward. And you're a servant. Why don't you broaden your shoulders and stand up and say, I'm a child of the king, a child of the king. With Jesus, my Savior, I'm a child of the king. Amen? Folks, I'm here to tell you something tonight. Far too long, we've lived life in defeat. And you know why? Because when the bullets start flying and the missiles start going off, we are ducking and looking for a place to hide, and the conflict's already started. You better make sure in your life right now, Jamie, you know where to hide when the conflict starts, not before, listen, before it starts, not while it's starting. Job made some decisions, Peter, in his life. One of them, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a mature person. Let me tell you something, guys. Look at me. It ain't mature. When you're three years old and you pitch a temper tantrum because you don't get what you want to eat, it ain't even cute when you're three. It definitely ain't cute when you're 33. Amen? Y'all need to help me out. I know I'm speaking English or American. Y'all can help me out here. You know, it, it might be even a little cute when you see a kid, listen, stomp the ground and hold their breath. And you know what? What they need is they need a little discipline in their life. And that's what God's trying to do in your life. It ain't, it ain't cute anymore when you turn 35 and you're ripping stuff off of the uh, furniture uh, and, and, and ripping, uh, you know, punching holes in the walls. That's not cute anymore. Be a person that's mature spiritually. Have some staying power. Be an upright person. 
He was a holy man. He was an honorable man. But number three, he was a hopeful man. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Listen to this. Job 19, 25. Job said, I know. I know. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And that He shall stand in that latter day upon the earth. And though after day worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Ladies and gentlemen, His hope was built on Jesus Christ. Let me ask you something. The hope that you have is not in the path you take. It's in the promise God made. Amen? I better write that down. That was good. I didn't even write that in my notes. Okay. The, listen, the hope we have tonight is not in our path. It's not in our plans. By the way, if you want to make God laugh, tell Him your plans. Some of y'all get that on the way home. The, listen, the hope you have is not in your path. It's not in your plans. It's in the promise of God. Amen? But I must move on. I want you to look first of all. Look at down at verse number. Look at verse number 9. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, and i got to move quickly. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Does, is Job really fearing you for no reason? You want to know why? It's because God, you've protected, you've got your hand upon him, and everything that he's got, everything that he does, you've have protected him, and you've got a shield around him. Look at what you say, preacher. I don't believe. Look at verse 10. Hath not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side that has, thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land, but you put forth your hand uh, now, God, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he has is in thy power. All... Only upon himself put not forth thy hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now look at verse 13. And there was a day when the sons, when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking uh, wine in their eldest brother's house. And there came a messenger unto Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the asses were feeding beside them. And the sabans fell upon them and took them away. Yea, they have slain the servants with the edge of the sword. And I only am escaped alone to tell thee. You know what happened? He had a terrorist attack happen in his life. The Sabians fell upon him. And you know what they did? They took everything. They took all of what he had. Destroyed everything. As soon as that servant gets done, another one comes in exactly right after him. Look at what he says. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, The fire of God has fallen from heaven and have burnt up the sheep and the servants, and consume them, and I only am escaped to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, we're talking about a domino effect, folks. While he was yet speaking, there came another and said, the Chaldeans made out three bands and fell upon the camels and slain the servants with the edge of the sword, and I am only alone to escape to tell thee. While he was yet speaking, there came, have y'all seen something here, a pattern? He's going through some difficult times. You know what God, you know what God told Satan? He said, you know what? I'm going to take my hand off of him, but you can't kill him. He never said nothing about his kids, though. Look at this. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness, and it fell upon the young men. They are dead. His sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and Verse 19 says that there came a, a, a great wind from the wilderness and it smote the four corners of the house and it fell upon the young men. They are all dead and I only 
I'm escaped to tell thee. Then Job arose and ran his mantle and shaved his head and fell down on the ground and said, God, why in the world did you do this? It don't say that. What does it say? He worshipped. I got a feeling that some of y'all ain't getting this yet. He worshipped. Say, preacher, how can I have? If God is sifting me to develop me, how in the world am I supposed to understand and, and realize what the difference is between God's test and Satan's temptings? Well, I'm going to be quite honest with you. You and the Holy Spirit of God are going to have to make a decision on that. Because you know what? A test and a trial, if you're not careful and you don't handle it properly, can turn into a temptation. Some people say, you know what? How many of y'all heard this? God will never put more on you than you can bear. I can't. That, is, that makes me want to throw up. You want to know why? Because it ain't even the Bible. It ain't even the Bible. Now let me tell you what God won't allow to happen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God, listen, there's no temptation that's taken you but such as is common man. Guess what? Somebody's gone through the same tempting that you've gone through. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted but that you're able to be with the temptation that gave way to escape that you may be able to bear. Let me tell you something. God will never put a temptation, will not ever allow a temptation to come in your life that He won't give you a way out. Sin is a blast while it lasts. The devil will always show you the thrill, but he'll never show you the kill. Amen? And the problem is that some of you in here, God is testing you. He's tempting. Listen, He's trying you. And He's sifting you. See, the problem is God will sometimes. God will never put more of a temptation in your life that you bear, but He won't give a way for you to get out of it and escape. Amen? But let me explain something to you. I believe God, and here's a perfect picture of it. God will put more on us sometimes that we can bear in trials and, and testings so that we will totally depend upon Him and, tell him and run to Calvary. God will put more on you than you can bear. You say, preacher, I just don't know how much more I can take. God knows exactly how much you can take, Mom. God knows to answer exactly how much you can take. So listen, get your thumb out your mouth, pull your britches up, or your trousers, whatever y'all call them over here. <laughs> I better not say pants, amen. Well, I just did. Amen. Forgive me. But you know what? It's time for us to cinch up. That means, you know what? If God be for you, who can be against you? Who is on the Lord's side? If you are, Moses said, come over here. If you ain't, stay over there. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Can I get a witness? Choose you this day whom you'll serve, whether it be the gods of your fathers which were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But Joshua said, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I'm going to make a conscious decision to make a difference in somebody's life and I'm asking God to make a difference in mine. Job's approval. You know what Job's approval was? First of all, he was a holy man. He was a perfect man. He was an honorable man. He was upright, feared God, and he eschewed evil, but he was a hopeful man. God, he was God's trophy. And guess what? Here's one of the finest men in all the Scripture, but God put more on him than anybody in this room's ever went through. I want you to look at what he did, though. Look at verse 21. And 
Job said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord's taken away. Blessed. You know what the word blessed means? It's a, it literally is plural. It means, if I could use this term properly, it means a barn load of blessings. It means you can't even contain them. Malachi 3.6 says, prove me herewith and see if I don't open up windows of heaven, shower you down a blessing that you can't even receive it, that you can't even contain it. And some of you in this room, you're asking God to deliver you from the the trial in your life when God says, I want to deliver you through the trial. You say, God, I'm tired of being in trouble. I'm in trouble. Hey, those guys in the fiery furnace were in trouble. You know what they did? They said, God, we're tired of being in trouble alone. Why don't you get in trouble with us? And a fourth man came in that fire. And you know what? When they were delivered, they praised God. And everybody around them went, huh? That's a great God they serve. See, the the hope's not in the path. The hope's in the promise. My path looks like a roller coaster sometimes, y'all. Ever had that? My path looks like a roller coaster with whoop-de-doos and corkscrews. And I don't know which way's up sometimes. But you know what? I have a promise. I've got a promise, Jay. He said these words, his last will and testament from the Mount of Olives. He said, I will never, I'll always be with you. I'll never leave you alone. I'll always be with you. So go and do what I ask you to do. We sit around in church for 42 years. I know people that sit around in church for 42 years. God, please give me something to do. They got a bank account of about $85,000 to $100,000 sitting in a bank account, rubbing the carpet down to the cement in a pew for 42 years going, well, God, I'm just praying about what you'd have me to do. Shut up. Go do something. Get up. Stop talking about it and go do something. Just do it. Amen? Just do it. Man, about to preach my guts out up here. Somebody ought to give me a holy grunt, something. Man, listen. Job's approval was he was a man that was perfect, Alex. One that feared God and eschewed evil. Hey, when things got tough, you know what? He didn't change. You look at Job's affliction. Number one, Job's approval. Number two, Job's affliction. Look at what happened in his life. His flocks were affected. His finances were affected. His family was affected. He lost all of his children. And even his wife, I don't have time to read it all, but his wife even said, you know what, Job, it's time for you to just go and ask God to take you home. It's time. And he said, woman, you speak as a foolish one. Do we not receive bad and good at the hand of God? By the way, folks, when a disaster happens in the UK or in America, does it not affect unrighteous and righteous people at the same time? God makes it to rain on the just and the unjust. Can I get an amen right there? It always happens. It's never going to be any different. Listen, you're not going to be excluded. And by the way, you're not going to be excluded from tough times. The reality of an affliction in your life is it's real and it's definite. It's going to happen. James 1, 2, my brethren, count it all joy. Come on now, help me out. I love this. You know, I want you to, want you to finish the statement with me. Mary had a little lamb. Come on now. Come on, class, talk to me. Mary had a little lamb. All right. I can't get no. I, I, you, you can't, no satisfaction, amen. 
Sanctify them by the truth. Thank you. You know what's crazy? We can learn all these things in our life. We can learn all of these statements, all these songs, all these slogans. But yet the only thing that really help us, we don't even know it. You're welcome. Sifted. Are you being proven? And if you are, understand this, it's being filtered. It's being sifted through the, listen, a loving, almighty hand of the one who created you and didn't need you, but thank God he included you. And he, listen, he's using you if you'll just allow him to do his work through you. Amen? Job's approval, but Job's affliction. Job's affliction was number one. The reality of it is it's going to happen. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, various testings. It didn't say if, it said when. It's going to come. Amen? It's going to come. And by the way, if you think you're only going to be happy when everything's going your way, expect to be miserable about most of your life. But you just don't understand. What God does, why don't you take it up with Him? I'm not blowing smoke at you, folks. You know that. This dear man over here, they're not blowing smoke at you. They have lived through the trials. They've lived through the affliction. They've lived through it. They've lived through the scrutinizing and the maligning and have been talked about it. You've been the forsaken. But by the way, you know what? Their hope is not in the path that God's placed them on. Their hope is in the promise. And it's in mine too. Amen? See, young people, what I'm trying to do is tell you this. There's going to be jobs in your life that are going to try to infuse some knowledge and wisdom into your life and don't kick against it. And you know what? A lot of times it ain't what a person says, it's what they go through when you watch their life and how they live it. Amen? I've often said this, Brother Dave, Christians are like tea bags. You don't know what they're made of until you put them in hot water. Some of y'all get that because y'all drink a lot of tea around here. Guess what? If you buy some weak tea bags, your tea's going to be terrible, ain't it? You've got to have some strong tea bags, like PG tips. Amen. 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 Janie, she's, she's raised me well. Janie's raised me well on tea. God. Job's affliction, number one, the reality of it is this. It's going to come. Job 14.1. Listen to this, folks. Job 14.1 says, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Amen. Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Can I get a witness? Jesus said in John 16, 33, In this world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Amen. 1 Peter chapter number 4, verse 12 says, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which has come to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't, don't be surprised when God puts you through the sifter. Because you know what he's trying to do, Jamie? He's trying to make you look more like his son. He's trying to make you look more like Jesus. Job's affliction, number one, the reality of it. Number two, the, re the reasons for it. Why does an affliction, why does a trial, why do these things come in our life and God's shifting, why does it come in our life? Well, number one, it's to make you perfect. We heard that word just a few minutes ago. Job was a perfect man. He was one that was mature. You know why God puts you through the sifter? To make you mature, to give you some perfection. And by the way, God's not looking for sinless perfection. He's looking for participation and progression. He's looking for somebody to stand up. Church, hey, listen, your local church teenagers, the church that you go to, it ain't looking for a member. It's looking for a worker. Are you going to be a worker or somebody that sits on the sideline? Are you going to be a soldier or a sissy? You going to be a wimp or a warrior? 
Hmm. Some of y'all look like y'all got baptized in pickle juice. I must finish. Job's affliction. The reality is, by the way, look at me. It's going to come. The reality of an affliction, Alex, is it's going to come. When you fall, not if you fall into divers or various testing, when you fall into them. So ladies and gentlemen, the reality is they are definite and they are different. It might be a broke washer. It might be getting by on the slowest bus in Birmingham when you're already late for work, amen? But it might be you get an MRI back and somebody's got cancer in your family and it's fourth stage, it's advanced stage, and they got about two weeks to live. Or it might be in the form of an automobile accident. Just saying. Why does God send these trials, Pastor, into our life? Well, the response is really why we go through them. Well, how are we going to respond? Well, first of all, you need to consider the will of God in everything that you go through. It's God's will. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it was easy to sweat great drops of blood? Do you think it was easy to lay down like a lamb before his shears is dumb and open not his mouth and be nailed to a cross? Do you think that was easy? So by the way, folks, it was God's will. And let me tell you something, young people. The will of God is never going to be the easiest way out. Never. What I'm saying is this. The response to the trials that you go through, number one, is understand and listen. Consider what God's doing in your life. And don't cower underneath it. Don't shrug your shoulders. Don't bristle up. You give in to God's, listen, God's plan in your life. Amen? For He knows the thoughts that He thanks toward you, saith the Lord. I still got you. Can you say me? Y'all still here? He knows the thoughts that He thinks toward you, said the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future, to give you an expected end. I've got a future. I don't believe in total annihilation. When I die, it's just not over. Amen? When I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. To be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. You say, well, preacher, I don't believe that. Well... When the rich man died, by the way, died, they buried him. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. It don't just end when you take your last breath. So listen, there is a purpose to everything under the sun. God's got a purpose for your life. And the greatest purpose and the greatest plan for your life is that you be with Him. Don't sit around and lie about whether or not. By the way, you say, preacher, if I got saved this weekend, what would my friends think? You preached on this last night. I'd rather God know I was saved than my friends think I was. Sit there and raise your hand all, all through a, a meeting for the next, the next five years of your life. And listen, you better thank God for His grace. Because you're here by divine appointment this weekend. And young people, let me tell you something. You need to consider God's will when you go through a trial number two. You need to cooperate with God's work. Would y'all agree with me if a doctor came to you and said, you know what, Dave? You've torn your rotor cuff. There'll be no more pumping iron for about seven, eight weeks. We've got to get that thing fixed. If you went back three weeks after you knew you was hurt and you started doing it, you got a hernia or you got a separated disc and your rotor cuff got even worse and they had to go do major surgery, guess what? The doctor knew more than we do. The doctor knows more than you do. The doctor knows more than I do. And by the way, folks, 
Jesus Christ knows more about our life than we know about it. And you've got to cooperate with His work in your life. It'd be good for some of y'all in this room, when you go to your prayer closet this weekend, say, God, I'm here to cooperate with you. Amen? I'm here to cooperate with you. So you cooperate with God's work. But then you say, Preacher, if I'm going to go through this trial, what else I got to do? Well, you need to call for God's wisdom. James 1 4. If any of you lack wisdom, say, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall, it shall, it not might, it shall, J.D., given unto you. You ask and he'll give it. You knock and he'll open. You seek and you'll find. Amen? We got Job's approval, number two, Job's affliction, but number three, I want you to see this, Job's announcement. Look at this verse. Job's announcement. After everything he had gone through, you know what Job said? Though he slay me. Can I just go ahead and paraphrase it? If he kills me, yet will I trust in him. Let me say it again. Even if he slays me, yet will I trust in him. What are you trusting in tonight? What are you trusting in, young people? Are you trusting in your intellect? Are you trusting in your strength? I'm going to tell you right now, I got a degree. I don't even know where it's at. It's in a drawer in some, some piece of furniture in my house. Because you know what? I'll be honest with you. I'd rather know about four verses of Scripture and have the power of God on my life than to be able to tell you everything about soteriology, ecclesiology, eschatology, angelology, and pneumatology. And not even know who God is. You say, preacher, how could you, if, if you're God's child, not know who God is? I tell you, Pastor Voss, and, and of course he was over here with Pastor Larry, and he was one of our dearest friends. He was my pastor, and he was Dave's pastor. Last time I went to see him, he looked at me and he made a statement. He said, preacher, he said, you know, he said, I'm not afraid to die and I'm ready to see Jesus, but there is one thing I'm fearful of. And I said, what's that? Man, you walk with God. You're like a modern-day Job. You preach from a hospital gurney when you got leukemia. He said, I'm afraid when I get there that Jesus is going to look at me like a total stranger because I hadn't spent enough time with him. That's the kind of people I want in my life to shape me and to guide me and direct me. Because you know what? His trust, his hope, he could announce. And how could a man by the name of Paul make this statement? He said, at my last word, no man stood with me. All men forsook me. He said, wait a minute. I led you to Christ. And I led you to Christ. And I led you to Christ. And I can't even get a character witness. Nobody stood with me. And I can almost see God in that prison jail cell, in that Mertine prison, take him by the face and say, Paul, stop looking out there, son. Look right here. I've been with you all the time. And he made this statement. However, the Lord stood with me.
Amen. Isaiah 43, 1 and 2. When you pass through the waters, He said, Brother, I said, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they will not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kill upon you, because I am the Lord your God. Let me ask you something. Do you know that God well enough to be like Job and say, you know what, I'm not going to sin with my lips. The direction of my life is going to be indicative of the declaration of my lips. And you know what the Bible says? Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. I stood at a parking lot where y'all parked y'all's car just a year after my son died and where Brother Larry was a day and a half after he died. And I remember looking at the car that my son was in. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. I didn't think. I didn't think for one minute that he was gone because his body looked intact. I thought, they're going to get him out of there. They're going to rush him to the hospital. He's going to be okay. Man, he's going to be fine. And then when I had to take my wife and hold her as the EMTs who we knew, we knew every one of them, came toward us and I said, what's wrong? What's going on? Tell me what's going on with my son. And the only thing that W.C. Phelps could do, Brother Dave, is look at me and go, and the tears started coursing down his face. Because he knew my son. My son played baseball with his. And I'm going to be honest, folks. I am no super saint. And Brother Dave, I, you know, I'm just a composite of the influences of other people. And you've been an influence in my life. And I'm going to repeat something you said last night. I'm not some big shot. I'm not some super saint. But I'm going to tell you right now. From walking with God and knowing, Jay, knowing that God is my portion, He's my buckler, He's my shield, He's my high tower. And you know what? When I felt like He was a million miles away at that moment, and my wife fell to my feet, I said, God, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to love you. There's some in this room you couldn't make that announcement if you're in the fire. You don't know why? Because the Bible says in this, there's a verse that we had up there just a minute ago where James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, Carl, when he's sifted, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Now, I'm, look at me now. There is a connection between those who love Him and those who endure. That's why you see somebody that goes through a difficulty in their life and pow, they're out the door and you don't find them for a year and a half. That's why I thank God for a man like Peter Taylor who's sitting in the house of God tonight. After he went through the difficult valley, he just went through, sifted if you will, the word sifted, if defined, if I could give you a biblical definition, it means accelerated spiritual growth through difficulty or warfare. Accelerated spiritual growth through difficulty or warfare. I done lied about four times. I'm going to finish. I promise. I walked into my garden to pick a lovely rose. And joy and peace and happiness was all I could suppose. But as I went to pick a bloom, a sharp pain went through my hand. And God said, no fire for you to pick today, Brian. A thorn is what I planted. 
My heart desires some comfort. Some days of peace and ease. Y'all ever been there? Ooh, I just want to lay in a hammock some days and not have any cares from my cell phone in the lake and not have to worry about a thing. My heart desires some comfort. Some days of peace and ease. A time of quiet restfulness. Some charm my soul to please. But as I search to find my want, God sent instead of need. He said, Brian, in order for you to have a tender heart, it's best your heart should bleed. It looked like a thorn. My image was torn, but God meant it for good. It caused me to mourn, but His likeness was born because God meant it for good. It caused me some pain, but the loss has been gained, Daniel, like sunshine after rain. For God meant it for good. You know when the silversmith has his back, he puts the silver in and he turns the heat up to 22, 2500 degrees. What happens is everything is made hot and all the imperfections, the impurities come to the top. We know it to be called dross, right? He takes some kind of thing, I don't know what you call it, a silversmith, I don't know what you call it, but he takes some flingmaduchi or whatever you want to call it, and he, he scoops all that dross off the top and then he turns it up again. And he heats it up to the dross and all the imperfections come to the top. And he scoops it off again, Jamie. And you know what he knows that the silver's done? It's when he can look down at the silver and see the reflection of himself in it. You know what God's doing in y'all's life? He's turning it up. Amen? He's turning it up. And he's scooping all the stuff off, all the junk. And one day he's going to look down in there and he's going to see the reflection of, his, of himself. He's going to go on done. I've got him. He's a perfect man. He's an upright man. He's a girl that fears me. It's a young lady that shuns evil, runs from it. I want to ask you a question tonight. When things ain't good, is God still good? When things ain't good, God still is. Amen? So here's what I want, to ask. I want you to ask yourself tonight. Do you have God's approval on your life? If you do, it does not make, it, it does not make you exempt from affliction. You're going to go through trials. But your response is absolutely imperative to what goes on in your life. Your outlook determines your outcome. Number three, your approval. Listen, your announcement. When you go through trials, you say, you know what, God, why? By the way, if you read this book from, from chapter 1 through chapter 42, there's a picture in there for about three chapters where God asked Job a series of questions. You know what I think it's time for us as God's people to understand? We don't get to ask the questions. God does. God does. God looked at Job and said, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Does the lighter does a lion come to you and report and say, where do you want me to go, sir? That's what the Bible says. And Job said, no, I don't know. Matter of fact, Job couldn't say a word. What are you going through that you've allowed to steal your joy? You've allowed it to steal your commitment to Christ? You've allowed it to steal and rob you of your contentment? 
and understanding that everything that you've got, God has given you, and, and the very breath that you breathe right now, the air that you breathe, I want you to do this with me. Go like this. Do it. God just gave you that. Do it again. God just gave you that. I've had many tears and sorrows. Have questions for tomorrow. Sometimes I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave great consolation that my trials have come to make me strong. That's why I sing through it all, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody looking around. Every head bowed and every eye closed as Miss Betsy moves the piano. I want to ask you a question tonight. Whatever the Lord lays upon my sister's heart, you just begin to play it. This is my question tonight. You've come to this conference, and you know what? You think you've been sifted, but the problem is this sifting don't happen from God for destruction. It happens for development. And there's some of you in here, you know what? You've been trying your whole life to work yourself to heaven. You've been putting your confidence and everything in a baptism, in a card you sign, in a church membership, and you've never made a decision to trust Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's the biggest issue you've got right now is that you're not born again. Jesus said, marvel not that I tell you, you must be born again. You're here tonight and you'd say, preacher, I'm not sure if something happened to me tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I want to go, and I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody like that would just slip your hand up, slip your hand up, and then put it back down and say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I'm not sure if something happened to me tonight, I'd go to heaven, but I want to go, and I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody like that? Just lift it up and put it back down. Anybody like that right now? Anybody? Be honest. God bless you, friend. Anybody else? Listen, why would you lie about what God already knows? God knows whether or not you are not. You're going to sit in line, clutch the chair in front of you. Why would you do that? Don't lie. Just be honest. I want to pray for you. I don't want to do anything. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to pray for you. Is there anybody else like that? Just flip it up and put it back down. God bless you, friend. God bless you. Anybody else? Let me explain something tonight. All you've got to do, the Bible says, is whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All you've got to do is put your faith in Christ. Jesus said, I'm the door. Listen, key, faith is the key. You put the key in the door. You put faith in Christ. Open the door. You can walk in. You can be saved tonight. There's some people here tonight, and you know what? Your problem is you're being sifted, but you haven't responded correctly. And your announcement's not going to be one that if God, whatever God does in your life, that you're going to trust Him. I wonder tonight if you'd say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. I've been going through some trials in my life and I want to be triumphant. 
I don't want to be a statistic. I want to be a success. And I want you to pray for me that God would give me victory in this storm, in this valley, and all of these difficult times I'm going through. And just with an upraised hand, you'd say, Preacher, pray for me. Anybody like that? Once you put it up, you can put it down. Could we do this tonight? And I'm not trying to coerce you. I'm not trying to twist your arm. But we're going to stand to our feet, and this altar's open. I'd love more I'd love more than anything in the world. Nothing more would I love is to be able to pray with you. If you've got a difficulty going on and you just want to lock arms, you want to pray about it, I want you to do this as soon as, soon as we stand to our feet. I want you to come. If no one comes, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Larry and I'm going to have him close. And we're going to go eat. But you know what? God knows what's going on. And when Christ comes, things change. Do you want Christ to come? If he does, things will change. Let's stand to our feet right now. Nobody looking around. If you need to come tonight, I want to beg you. Don't stand there and hold your breath and say, God, the tears has got to go away. I can't cry all night. I'm going to tell you right now, just let it go and let God have his way. If you need to come tonight, you come on right now. Whatever your need is, you come. That's right, come on. If you need to come, don't worry about what time it is. We're going to be here all weekend. (laughs) Come on. If you need to come, come on. That's right. Father, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for meeting with your people. And I pray the rest of this weekend would be a, a real crossroads for many of us in this room that need to make some solid commitments to remember that, God, your arm is not shortened that you can't save and your ear is not heavy that you can't hear. So, God, I pray that you would have your hand upon these young people. Use this weekend as almost like a battleground planning session that where these young people can go out into the highways and hedges in England, wherever you plant them, God, that they would grow and they would be used for your honor and your glory. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the testimony of a man by the name of Job who, Lord, wasn't sinless, but sure, he sure was mature. He sure was upright and kept his nose clean. Lord, he sure feared you. He, wanted to, he loved doing right and he hated doing wrong, and, and he ran from evil. But the greatest testimony of his life is he praised you even in the storm. Lord, I thank you so much for your power, your provision, your protection. Lord, meet with us the remainder of this week. Have your hand upon my friend Dave as he preaches all these other uh, sessions and have your hand upon me. Hide us behind the cross that Christ would be seen and him only and help us to leave his place every session less of what we are by nature and more like Jesus. And we'll love you for what you do in Jesus' name.